And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 649, continuing our team-by-team previews for the 2024 fantasy baseball season. We're down to five. We head to the NL West to wrap it up this week, and we go to the desert, the National League champion, Arizona Diamondbacks. That's one thing we have not said in a long time, it feels like. In order to help me break down this team as a friend of mine, a friend of yours, a friend of everybody, I was actually at the last game of the World Series with this individual. Got to hang out with them. I was actually thinking of a Dan Soder comedy show the other night. We got to go <laughs> to together and much, much more. But you can find them on Twitter at Bogman Sports in this league. Fantasy pros. Scott Bogman. How are we doing, my friend? Doing great. And don't think I didn't notice your little dig uh, on the Diamondbacks. You're still a Giants fan. So, you know, we haven't heard NL champs in a long, long time, and we finally did. Congrats, Bogman. Uh, at least you were there when your team lost and got retweeted by Carl's Jr. So you know. That was amazing. I'm telling you, that silhouette picture of you at Carl's Jr. is glorious. It's my Alfred Hitchcock glorious. moment, right? Yeah. <laughs> so good. So good. Um, before we get rocking and rolling here, remind everybody where, where they can find all your work because you are a busy, busy man. Yeah, at Bogman Sports uh, for all of it on Twitter. Obviously, in this league with the Welsh is my mainstay. Uh, do some work for football uh, over at Fantasy Pros, and I have my draft, my rankings up in the Draft Wizard. So if you're using the Draft Wizard, I may thumbs up or thumbs down your team at some point. So yeah, just uh, check out everything over there. Of course, the Welsh has got Prospect One over in this league as well. So lots of baseball coming at you. Awesome. Lots of fun stuff. The guys that are in this league, of, uh, they're amazing. I think everybody knows that. If you listen to my show, probably because of them. So go check uh, all that stuff out. I always kick it off with a, a like intro question to the team. This should be easy, I think, for you. What were your overall thoughts on the 2023 season for the Diamondbacks? <laughs> <laughs> Woo, what a roller coaster yeah. uh, 2023 was because we had high highs by starting out hot and being great right until before the all-star break. And then there was a six week span of normal August diamondbacks where they are miserable and falling out of contention. And then the spring forward into the playoffs and they took the winning streak in kept winning, beat the Phillies in seven um, swept the Dodgers. No big mm-hmm. deal. Uh, yep. Thank you. <laughs> One of the best moments of my life. And um you know, went to the World Series, and I was really sad. So uh, outstanding overall year, and we now know that the D-backs are in the window, so it's time to go out there and acquire uh, pieces and win. And I think they've been trying to do that. You know, no one can print money like the Dodgers and defer payments and all that nonsense and get Otani and Yamamoto, but, um, you know, they went out and got Eduardo and Eugenio Suarez and re-signed Lourdes, so there was some spending and moving going on for the D-backs this offseason as well. Yeah, honestly, like a team that just went to the World Series, so obviously a pretty solid team. You basically kept what you needed to keep and you improved in a few spots. Like uh, You can't be too bummed about it. Like If you're a Giants fan and you watch every offseason, just not signing anybody. All right, you got Jung-Hoo Lee, though. And Jordan Hicks, man. This is going to be a hell of a year. going to be a (laughs) hell of a year. If you have five inning games, we're in business. You got Um, Gabe Kapler out of there. That's a big That's the biggest move of the offseason, honestly. So that's pretty pumped on that regard. The mad scientist, Bob Melvin, comes in and his mealy mouth, So You know about Bob Melvin a bit. I do. I do. Yeah, I don't. I mean, he's a better manager probably than Kapler. Yes. Set the bar high, why don't you? He's annoying because... Because that lineup is going to change all the time. That's why they call yep. him the mad scientist. He mixes it up. 
Yep, he's like the old guy that thinks he understands the youth movement. That's what's fun about him. So we'll we'll see where this goes with uh, Mr. Melvin this year, but it can't be much worse and can't do a whole lot if they don't sign anybody anyway. So have fun with that. And by the way, the next episode after Bogsman will be the Giants preview with Justin Mason. So if you guys need therapy, that'll be it between the two of us um, and maybe some stiff drinks. <laughs> Let's talk about the D-backs now and a, a fun squad. And we'll start with Corbin Carroll, who just – Took the world by storm. It felt like we all kind of had – most had pretty good expectations. It was a matter of in year one, could he live up to those expectations? I'd say so. 25 homers, 54 steals, 288 average. I did an article at Fantasy Pros recapping the first five rounds in a 12-teamer, and, and Corbin Carroll was drafted at ADP 55 last year. So if you took that chance, you won. You won very well on that regards because right now he's got an ADP of four over the last few weeks. What are our thoughts on Carroll entering this season? I think four is exactly where he belongs. You know, I think uh, if you want to put him three, also okay. Um, him and Julio are probably interchangeable. I think I want Bobby Witt for the upside at two. Um, but I think three or four is where he belongs, and he is in that top four tier of guys that at the end of the season, you'd be least surprised if one of these four ended up as the number one player. Yep. 100% agree with you. Do you have any concerns with the shoulder issue? Because the powers that early had the shoulders still hit well and ran like crazy in the second half, but the power kind of declined. You think it's shoulder-related or something else? I, I I think it's just, you know, rookie year. It, it was a, a first full season in the bigs, plus they went all the way through to the World Series. So I think it's just hitting the rookie wall, a little bit of fatigue, um, because there were a couple, you know, in the Philly series, there are a couple where he hit the other way that were just barely. I actually, I think it was in the World Series. I think it was Game One. I was watching, and he hit one the other way that missed uh, being a homer by like a foot and a half outside the pole, and it was the other way. And they're like, "This guy is so strong. Look at that! He just flicked the bat out there." And you know, uh, so I, I think it was just normal wear and tear. I'm not too worried about the shoulder, even though it has been an issue in the past. Yeah, uh, last thing I got on Carroll, I was just in, in, impressed because, like, I've obviously watched games. We do so much content. You know who Corbin Carroll is and what he can do. But seeing him in person for that World Series, I think he was on base almost every at-bat, it felt like. He was just all over the place. They just couldn't execute. But just, like, he was hitting opposite field singles. He was doing this. Now, like, it was an impressive skill set for a very He's just player. a good ball player, man. Yeah. Just a great overall ball player. Very so. impressed. Uh, Christian Walker, this is a guy I like, uh, ADP of 91 right now. Back-to-back 30 home run seasons, hit 258 last year with 103 RBIs. Uh, what are your thoughts on Walker this year? Because it's been a fun discussion point with me and a few others on him. Yeah, I think Walker is the end of the first base, like like that tip of the that top of the first base, um, you know, section, whatever you want to call it. I think going down to him, I have him at nine, and I think he is the like the last top first baseman that he's the last acceptable one in my opinion after we did Welsh and I did the thresholds episode where you're looking at what does a typical first baseman get uh, out of the top 15 right it was like <clears throat> a 270 average 28 bombs 97 RBI eight swipes he's like the last guy that covers everything so I I have him at nine among first basemen I think that's probably about where he belongs like you said somewhere just inside that top 100 as well Never comes off the field. He's a gold glove first baseman. And Bubba, the only good thing to come from the Goldie trade at all, and he yes. wasn't traded. He was just behind Goldie and ended up taking his spot and being good. And now none of the players are left from the Goldie trade. And Goldie won an MVP 
for the Cardinals. And we spent our money on Madison Bumgarner. At least I'm not bitter about it. So that's good. You're still paying him, actually. Um, yeah. you, you could you could have traded, you know, Arenado for a bucket of balls. So it could have been worse, I guess. But um, I will say, since you have Walker at nine, I'm assuming you still have Goldie over Walker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have Goldie at six. Then I go uh, Bellinger. Actually, I have Walker at eight. I'm sorry. Then I have Costas at nine. Okay. So, yeah. I like it. I dig. I dig. Let's head uh, to Cattell Marte right now. Uh, second base, Cattell Marte, ADP of 121. 25 home runs last year. Saw that come back. 94 runs scored at 276. Kind of a renaissance season, it felt like, from Cattell Marte, which we haven't seen in a few years. He also had that playoff hit streak, which was ridiculous. Uh, what's your thoughts on Marte now? Because we saw this in 2019. Then it's kind of been like, where'd the power go? 24 is really awesome for Marte if he can pull that off continuously. So where are we at in 2024? Yeah, I mean, you know where he's going to hit. He's going to be one against lefties or two against righties. So, um, you know, uh, he's going to be high in this Diamondbacks lineup. The Here's my concern about Marte is that I am now drafting him again which means he will absolutely get hurt this year, right? So we saw a pretty healthy season last year uh, from Cattell, 150 games. He was decent the year before at 137, but I was aggravated with that 137 the year before because, yes, he did play most of the games, but good God, like 60 of those games, it was like, well, he's not 100% and he's still playing, so they had to lower them in the order or um, – you don't want him to run too much or he's DHing today or whatever nonsense, right? So literally the only concern with Marte is that he does have a bit of an injury history, but he's coming off a fantastic year. He's going to hit high in the lineup. I have him at 10 um, among second basemen. I'm a little lower on him overall just because he doesn't steal bases like the guys that I have in front of him. Maybe, you know, Glaber is a guy like that, but the rest of the guys, McLean, Altuve, Simeon, they all steal more bases than Cattell is going to. And the, the D-backs steal a lot of bases, but, you know, they're not going to ask him to do a lot. He had eight last season. So, you know, I think he's still a top 10 second baseman, but there are little concerns with him. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I've, I'm so confused by his production. Like he's always seen the ceiling. We've seen it fall. Doesn't run. But when he's on, it's really good. So to me, it's, it's all a, about injuries. Everything yeah. with him is about being hurt. And, uh, you know, it, when he's hurt, he just doesn't perform as well. Yeah, because this team will score, as we saw last year. So I do like that. Let's talk Gabriel Moreno. Uh, got over in the Dalton Varsho deal last year. Hit uh, 284, seven homer, six steals, and 111 games. ADP of 150. Uh, he finished the season really strong, especially in the postseason, which got people's attention. So what's your your thoughts on Moreno this season? Because some have him really high at catcher, like like six or seven, I guess. Some have him much lower. There's a, there's a lot of wiggle room with Gabby. Yeah, I've got him at eleven. I mean, he has no power right now. That that's yep. the issue. He had a little bit of pop uh, during the playoffs. I mean, come on, that one against Lance Lynn. Awesome. Remember, Absolutely. he hit the one that was two feet outside of the pole, opposite field that they called a homer. Fireworks went off. Everybody's going crazy, and then he had to. You decompress, come back, and then went. He pulled it. Uh, so he the power's in the bat. It just didn't come through this season. And I don't know that holding him at number three is a hundred percent going to happen. I think that is where he will start in spring training. But we know Tory is not afraid to move that lineup around. So if he's hitting like he did at the end of last year, and they're keeping him that three spot, he's going to be 
very, very useful. I mean, the old scouting trope is power was the last tool to develop. So maybe it comes along this season. And if he's hitting three, that's great. But I have him at 11 uh, at catcher. And that is because I, I don't know if the power is going to come there. And I don't think he's going to stick at three for the entire season. I think that's going to be a little bit of a movable spot. So uh, we'll see. But I, I'm a little lower on him and, you know, probably just being harsh on my own guys. I don't want to seem like a homer everybody's rankings where do you you're the catcher man you did catchers in the black book where do you have gabby i am the catcher man now, let me pull up my i should have you know professional i had this up already but it's literally one click away so i'll get this for you um i know i have like bo Naylor and ohapi ahead of him i love this young group of catchers um i have gabby 13th actually 13 okay yeah um i like him a lot but it's 100 the power situation that kind of brings him down all the guys ahead of him have 15 plus home run power which i'll take um i can't remember who i had on couple months ago, uh, they mentioned with Moreno, because I was kind of getting higher on him and thinking about you know the postseason. We're see- we saw improvements as the season went on that you want to see from a young player. But someone mentioned his profile. I never dug in deep enough to it. He's almost a, like a right a left center to right center guy, which in Arizona does not play well at all. He's a, he's a doubles guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's not really a, a homer guy. But, I mean. Still very good, though. He- you're not a homer guy until you are. You know what I mean? So, that's why uh, That's why I was trying to be optimistic. This kind of pushed me back a little bit. But, yeah, he's so young, and we saw what he could do when he wanted to. So it's like – But this – like Moreno being between 11 and you saying 6 and, uh, you know, um, you have him at 13, uh, it just shows how deep catcher 100%. is. 100%. Catcher's so deep. Just wait, especially in a one-catcher league. Oh, one catcher, Don't take your catcher to like the last three rounds. You're like a kicker or a defense. Like it's your last yes. six. Like because if you're in a 12th, one catcher, there's literally, I can't let me let me pull my list. I think I wrote about it in the black book. I would be comfortable in a one catcher league with like seven, my top 17, probably. Yeah. And I'd live with it and just know you can stream throughout the season in a one catcher. Like, wouldn't worry about it one bit. So, it's yeah, I have Gabby 13. Not that I'm out on him because I think his uh, batting average is really, really strong. And if he clicked into power, he's a huge value. But that's it. I mean, I have Ohapi at 17. You know what I mean? I, I love Ohapi. See, that's I, where we, we would fight on that one. I well, think. well, that's okay. I, I like yeah. guys that play. So, um, I, I think, I think <laughs> Ohapi is very good. And by the way, my dynasty leagues, I have them in both. So, so uh, you're, you're going to be yeah. sitting pretty this year. Right. Well, I mean, as long as he plays and doesn't hang me you out know, to dry like he did last it, year. So, as of but, this recording date, healthy. But yeah, <laughs> it, is, it is February, uh, <laughs> early February. Yeah, uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, like Kiebert Ruiz is going to hit three. I have him higher. Mitch like Garver can hit clean up. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. th- there's there's so many good catchers just to, to beat this point to death. Wait it's, on catcher. It's okay. Yeah. People come to any show I'm on because they know catchers talk will eventually take over the show. That's just how it works <laughs> in my world. I get made fun of it, but I love my catchers. It's a thing I'm starting, like Rich Eisen did with kickers. Hashtag catchers matter. Like it's coming, people. Just get, get used to it. Mm. Uh, enough of that. Let's go to Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who you guys brought back this year. I was pretty pumped on it because on underdog, I was taking him everywhere as a free agent, hoping he'd come back to Arizona. Last year at 24 home runs, 261 uh, batting average, solid season overall. His ADP is only 230. Like that seems very affordable for a guy that's going to play a ton, in my opinion. What's your thoughts on Gurriel? Yeah, Gurriel's an everyday player. And, you know, when I say I worry about someone else bumping up to three, Gurriel hit third for a big chunk of the season last year before they uh, ended up moving him down. He went on a little, you know, he hit a little wall when the whole team did uh, late July, early August, that, that stretch. And so they dipped him in the lineup and then he started hitting, hitting again before the playoffs. And yeah, I mean, 
he's got good power. He's going to be high in the order, I assume, in this lineup. I think Ross Resource might have him at eight right now. I just don't think that that is going to – I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's going to hit five or six like he did the year before. I would probably say if Alec is crushing righties like he did in the playoffs, he'll hit five, Alec Thomas. But if not, Gurriel will probably hit five. So um, him and Suarez will probably battle out for, for that spot. But, yeah, this is a guy that drives in runs, hits for power, doesn't kill your average. He'll be on the back end of some steals as well. I mean, Lourdes does a little bit of everything. So uh, you'd like more steals. Maybe he'll get better at that being in the same spot. But, um, yeah, he is a very, very good for outfield being as thin as it is, especially at the end. He is surprisingly affordable. Yep. Big fan of his price tag. So good job on the D-backs bringing him back. I like that move a lot. You mentioned Suarez. Eugenio Suarez got traded to the D-backs early in the offseason. You know, when you have a veteran like Longoria disappear, why not just replace him with almost his Spider-Man gif? Um, <laughs> only 22 home runs last year for Suarez after back like multiple 30 home run seasons, similar to 32 average. Uh, he's going to ADP of 277 right now. What are your thoughts on Eugenio Suarez? Yeah, I have him at 22 among third basemen, so I believe that would be – fantasy pros ECR, I think I'm one below uh, where he is, but this is a dude that they brought in to get the big hit. I mean, you saw it against Texas, right? What were they missing? They're missing just a bat to come in here and hit a, you know, bases clearing double or something like that. And that is what Suarez is coming, coming in here for in 96 RBI last year. They're going to put him in a good RBI spot at five or six. And that's what you're going to expect from him. Probably a low batting average. Maybe he's a little more pop because we know it's in the bat. Um, but you don't want this guy to bottom out and go to 196 and hit 30 homers and do nothing for you. So there is there is risk with him, of course. But uh, I like where he's at. And I, I think he's in a good spot right now. And he's like the last one of the last acceptable third baseman for me. You know what I mean? Like you got your third baseman. I don't mean at third. I mean at C at CI. He's like one of your last acceptable CIs because after that, I feel like you're either going, you know, you're taking a risk on like Garcia for the stolen base upside or a young guy like Bush or Colt Keith or something like that. So Suarez is one of those last guys that I actually want on my roster. Yeah, I'm with you. And in uh, draft and hold formats, I've been using him as a, my second third baseman. So if the, my main guy doesn't get there. Suarez this time, so I'm with you. I still think there's a lot there. The power's legit. Well, another hit for average, but you'll take 230 with him. And um, like you said, if he sits in the you know five six hole in that lineup, he'll produce plenty of runs for sure. Now it gets a little little murkier on this team. At least more <laughs> platoony potential situations. Geraldo Perdomo, uh, stud defensive shortstop. That's why he should continue to play. And shockingly, I didn't know until prepping for this show that he's only 24 this year. Extremely young. 16 steals in 144 games last year, hit 246. Uh, ADP is 434. What are your thoughts on Perdomo? Yeah, um, he's no a great fielder. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a no for me, dog. Look, I saw him at the All-Star game last year. Um, he was an All-Star. He was great in that first half. He was hitting leadoff. The bat disappeared, you know, and if you look at his savant page, I mean, he's like the bottom 1% of everything that's important. You know, the bat is just not there. He's still young and developing. There's a chance that it comes back, but there's also Jordan Lawler waiting. If the D-backs don't make a move for an ace-level pitcher by moving Jordan Lawler, then 
I assume he's going to take that shortstop gig at some point this season, probably early too. And that'll turn Perdomo into a full-time utility guy. He can play second. He can play short. He can play third. You could probably put him in the outfield if you wanted to. He's got a nice arm. Um, don't know if they've worked on that with him at all this year, but I, I envision Perdomo becoming a super util, util guy for the D backs at some point this season and Lawler taking that shortstop gig. So I'm just not investing in Perdomo at all, even at that cheap 430 price. All right. Uh, and I, I, I agree with Perdomo's good. He's a better real life player and a team that has postseason aspirations. You're going to see a lot of them when it matters most. So there a lot of bunting that, uh, from Perdomo in yes. the playoffs, and uh, Jason so, Collette was so mad. So oh, it was so mad a lot on that one. Bunting with Gabby Marino in the first inning that was ridiculous as well. But uh, I, I felt bad for you. I was yeah. like, "What are we doing?" But you mentioned Jordan Lawler, so I'll just kind of segue to him real quick. His ADP is three hundred eight, and I think a lot of people have the same expectations you do that he's going to take that job. Like I don't think it'll be right out the gate. I think Perdomo gets his chance, kind of like you said, but it's just a matter of time more than anything. So if in a draft and hold format, either the 12 team or the 15 team formats at 308, are you still interested in Lawler for the long-term season aspect of him? Or do you have, are you still kind of like, yeah, I don't know. No, I want him. I mean, I, I was, it's getting to the point where he is getting a little more expensive than he should. Right. I think 308 is probably like, you know, outside of the top 300, I want him when he starts creeping in there. You know, I want him less, but I still am willing to reach and take him. I have him right now as like I think my twenty six shortstop. So you know, it, it, an MI option to start the season for sure. But like you said, there is no guarantee that he he even is on the roster for opening day. So um, I would assume the he's got an invite to spring training. I assume that he's going to, you know win a bench spot and be in the lineup because he was in the playoffs. I mean, he got, I think he had one at bat in the playoffs, but he was there, you know, so he, he got to uh, ride the wave there, but yeah, I, I, this is, this is the year for him. He's going to come up and if the D backs are going to have a rookie of the year candidate, it's going to be Lawler. Yep. That's uh seems to be on par with some other people. And it'd be fun to see him do it because offensively you had that kind of bad. If he produces the way like he his cup of coffee, obviously, didn't manifest what people thought it would be, but if he could put it together, that'd be pretty, pretty nice. Um, Jock jams, Jock Peterson's down in your locker room. Um, I like Jock. I think he's fun. He's got a hell of a bat from the left side of the plate. Don't play some versus lefties very often. So he's probably strictly in a platoon situation, but that's a power bat you guys can use. That's a, a very utilized situation there. Uh, as long as and you're obviously not bringing Tommy Pham back now. So, um, Jock Peterson's got an ADP of 435. How does that interest you? Yeah, I mean, look, Jock is going to be a heavy side platoon guy, right? So, uh, and you look at his stat cast page, everything's still red over there. Um, he is cannot play in the field anymore. We know he's old and slow, so you're not going to ask him to steal any bases, even on this team that steals a lot of bases. He's not going to get a lot of opportunity to play in the field either because, you know, his legs are busted, but the, the bat's still there. And that's the important thing. I would say probably a seven or eight hitter. Maybe if he gets hot uh, for a streak, they stick him at five uh, against righties behind Christian Walker, you know? Mm -hmm. So th there, there's some movement that could happen there uh, for Jock up and down the lineup. But, uh, you know, basically this is our replacement for Evan Longoria yeah. is, you know, and he's a lefty bat, which is uh, better for this lineup. So, 
a good investment late if you're in, you know, uh, if you're in a league that goes post 400 in your picks, go ahead and snap him up and uh, see how what what type of playing time he gets and what he looks like early. But he is like one of those guys that if you even invested in him is one of your first drops. As soon as a whiff of less playing time or he starts out bad or whatever it is, dump him because he is easily replaceable. 100%. Uh, you talked about late, late draft picks. Um, let's talk Alec Thomas. He's not as late as one would think. ADP of 325. But you hinted at him earlier. Like First off, he's only going to be 24, another young player here. We saw him really turn it on late like in the postseason and whatnot. So what are you thinking this year? Is this a guy that could be worth the ADP and is going to run regular playing time, or is there still concerns with Alec Thomas? I mean, there's no playing time concerns for him because he's a gold glove outfielder. So he, 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 he at 143 against lefties, I mean, he's going to be hitting nine against lefties. That's what it's going to be. It's, if you want to see some bunts, uh, you're going to see Alec Thomas probably at the bottom of the lineup against lefties uh, bunting. but the defense is why he's going to play every day. He should have won the gold glove. They gave it to Brent Doyle. Brent Doyle's great too. Come on. Uh, I, I, here you go. Rockies. You exist. You know, yeah, that's kind of, kind of your participation trophy. Right. But uh, Alec is amazing out in center. Uh, like you said, he really came on in the playoffs. I mean that, that uh, Homer against uh, Craig Kimbrell was glorious. I was going nuts, but uh, yeah, one of my favorite players to watch too. He's just an all effort guy. So uh, I just expect him to keep getting better and better uh, on both sides. And he's already a gold glover gold glove defender. So he's not going to come off the field. So if you're in a deeper league, bats, not great. It's not perfect, but he can steal bases. And on days where it wouldn't be, uh, you know, starting, he's still going to pinch run at some point and then take over late in the outfield. So he's just going to be on the field a ton as long as he's healthy. And there's been no worries about his uh, health so far. I'm knocking on wood right now. So well, that's good. You got young Perdomo. You got young Thomas. You got young Carroll. Got Lawler coming up. A couple mm-hmm. veterans to piece it together. So you got that going for you. And we're going to talk about some more here a little later that really can um, look good for you. Uh, any other of these platoon bats that are worth discussing for fantasy? Or is it kind of a let's head to the mound? Yeah, probably not. Uh, I mean, we're, we're a little early on the Hispanic Titanic, Ivan Melendez, uh, but he's coming. He's going to be in spring training. You'll see some tank homers from him for sure. A lot of pop in that bat. All right, let's talk pitching now. Let's head to the mound. Let's talk about Cy Young's. I don't know if you know much about Cy Young's, but Zach Gallen, everybody. It wasn't just a World Series run for the D-backs. They got more hardware. This past year, well, not this year, past year, Snell got it last. This last year, Gallon was in the running for the Cy Young. I should repeat, he finished third behind Webb or second in front of Webb. I can't remember now. Second, I think Gallon was second. Um, but on the season, Gallon two hundred and ten innings pitched, sub three five ERA, strikeouts were there, and now he has an ADP of forty when it comes to starting pitchers. So, you know, amazing season, but still didn't get as much love as some other guys did. It feels like. So, are we back in on Gallon, or is the workload concern you at all? No, Gallon's a top 10 starter to me. I mean, um, he I have him at eight. I think his ECR is even higher than that. I think he's seven. He's a 200-inning guy that is going to have 200 strikeouts, hopefully get you uh, 15 wins. You know, it, he had 17 last season. I, what's not to like uh, about mm-hmm. Gallon? So there's not a lot of downside here. So, yeah, Gallon's top 10 pitcher. 
Yep, I have him as eight as well. I love just love the durability, like innings wise, the distance he goes in games, which is hard to find these days. Another guy that pitches a ton of innings, uh, people make fun of him a lot, but if you look at his overall track record outside of a 4 4 4 ERA in 2021, three of the last four seasons, even though short in 2020, have been pretty damn good. The last two, especially 177 innings last year for Merrill Kelly, 200 the year before. And he's been sub 3 4 ERA in both seasons, but the strikeouts showed up last year which was a big surprise compared to years past ADP of 154 for Merrill Kelly. Are we still on this train or are we just like just, it was a little too good to be true right now. No, I mean, we're still on the train. Uh, I have him at 38. Uh, so, you know, top 40 pitcher, uh, still a ton of strikeouts. Um, you know, th- there's, it's not like this was all smoke and mirrors. You can't do smoke and mirrors for an entire season. Yep. So uh, this is a guy that, yes, he is older. You know, he had to go over to Korea for a couple of years and get straight over there, come back, get an opportunity for a then bad Diamondbacks team. But he is the only Diamondbacks pitcher to get a dub in the World Series, right? So mm-hmm. uh, looked really good doing it. Dominated the Phillies a couple times, too. So, um, I mean, Merrill is a good pitcher. So, you do worry that he's a little long in the tooth. So not so much that is the skill going to drop off because I think he's still getting better. Uh, even in his mid thirties, it's when is the arm going to go, right? That is your concern uh, for him. So you do have to keep a little bit of an eye on the velocity and make sure he's not Shane Biebering out there and going to, you know, top out at 88 eventually. So um, that is my only concern about Merrill is eventual wear and tear, but he also, pitched in Korea for a couple of years. So he has fewer innings on his arm than a lot of other guys. So, you know, he could last until he's 40. The drop off is going to come at some point here pretty soon, but still a very good pitcher right now. Yep. I have zero problems in these drafts, taking him as like a fourth or fifth or maybe third, if you had to, but it's like a nice, like kind of floor player. That's got some upside. I, I, I'm a boring drafter, so I enjoy guys like Merrill Kelly to get me. Yeah, by the way, day. when when Bubba says some people make fun of him, he means him. Uh, Bubba means himself. He makes fun of Merrill Kelly. Yeah. And I've rostered him many times because, no, I say on this one, usually you are correct. I love him. Usually you are correct. No, I have tons of shares. and I, I have shares like yearly, and I've been made fun of by other people. Like, oh, he's so boring. I'm like, I love boring. Who Give makes me- fun of Merrill? Give me there, names. There I want people. receipts. I'll, I'll have to Come go on. back and search Twitter. Twitter's good for that. Yeah, <laughs> receipts, folks. For that. Receipts. But, um, yeah, as long as he doesn't turn into Bieber, there's only one Bieber you want to be, and it sure as hell ain't Shane. That's for sure. Um, your, uh, your big pitching acquisition this year, Erod Eduardo Rodriguez. I was so jealous when you guys made this move. Hey, because I've always loved Erod. Um, I also really, called this. Yes, you uh, did. I yes, think did. I think I told you about this on the way to Soder yes. uh, in the car. I was like, "That's the affordable guy. He's a lefty to put in the lineup." Like that's, but but we were concerned because remember his wife didn't want to live uh, on the West Coast or something yeah. weird. Going yeah, apparently this isn't West Coast enough. And then more stories came out, like when he vetoed the Dodgers thing, it was more of a, he didn't want to move the family in season. He's cool with moving them out of season to a location, mm-hmm. which makes a little more sense. Regardless, he's going to go to a division out of face the Dodgers a lot, which is really awesome, all things considered. So, you know, Erod, I've always been a fan. Whip is usually the issue with him. Wasn't as bad last year. It was still not great. But ADP of 190, like I've been getting so many Erod shares, it's ridiculous. And it's either going to burn me or make me look great. And most things don't make me look great. So um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on Erod? Yeah, look, uh, your concerns are more 
off the field with him, which makes him dicey and weird because, you know, he just disappeared for part of the season yeah. a couple of years ago. He's had some injury stuff. His wife is vetoing trades. Like so he's a, he's a weird case. And I understand that, but you put him now in more of a pitcher's ballpark with the humidor in chase, right? Um, you put him behind a good defense and a good lineup and he's probably going to have uh, a decent amount of wins here. Uh, the, the strikeouts. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not perfect, but I have him still as a top 50 pitcher uh, being as, you know, going to start probably as the three for the D backs and uh, draw some worse pitchers as well. Uh, at least in the initial run, everything gets jumbled up eventually, but uh, I do. I, I like Erod. I think this is a good signing. I think it fits. I think the ballpark is nice for him. I think the defense behind him is good. And the chance for wins as the Diamondbacks are one of the better teams now in the league. Uh, I think everything's there adding up for Eduardo as long as he doesn't get hurt or do something weird. Uh, everything's good. So you have to factor that in and maybe lower him a little bit more than you want. But I still have him even factoring all of the weirdness in. I still have him as a top 50 SP. Yep, uh, I love Erod. Now that you mentioned that, I was checking my other pitchers. Let me give you. Yeah, I have Erod at forty. So yeah, I like I like Erod quite a bit. Might move him up and more I, than me. I got him at forty eight. I so. might move. I'm, I have to update my pay. I've updated my bats up to this week, so my pitching uh, comes next. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I'm a fan of Erod. I honestly thought his price would be higher when the signing happened, but it's kind of in a very affordable world <laughs> with Erod. Now let's talk about the thing that. Honestly, I'm surprised Brandon Fought has an ADP of 206. I thought the hype train would have been through the roof after the postseason because, you know, no one can say this except, like, how cool would it be to be a skilled athlete like this man and be like, yeah, it's with a capital P. Like, <laughs> it's fought with a capital P. It's fat with a capital P, basically. That's a fat <laughs> joke for us. But um, Brandon Fought was great in the second half. ADP seems way too cheap for me. Tell me what I'm missing here. Like, are there still concerns? No, uh, there's not for me. I guess if there are concerns, it'd probably be just an overall innings limit potentially for him, you know. Uh, but I think what I think the reason the hype hasn't caught up with everybody yet is because there was so much hype coming up on FOT, right? Mm -hmm. He starts that first game in Texas, gives up seven, doesn't get an out, and looks terrible. Starts like two or three more games, looks god awful i mean welsh was depressed about it he was all he was team fought everyone's giving him crap because his first run didn't work out and then this guy's you know smoking the phillies in the nlcs and um you know has everyone in the world talking about uh you know how he releases his pitches and everything and strom moved him on the mound which was the only real big difference they had for him and it made all the difference in the world so a lot of this is between the ears for the young guys and he figured it out so now he's got confidence going into this season. So I'm with you. He's in my top 200 for sure. I know he's still going, as you said, as a post 200 guy on NFBC. Not, not my draft partner. Uh, I'll be, I'll be taking him around 180. So, yeah. And you mentioned the the innings concerns. Like weirdly enough, I'm not there because he had 156 innings between the minors and the bigs. That's not including the postseason. Like I'm like, if he can give me 170 next year, I'm yeah, in. Five I'm starts pumped. in the postseason, dude. Yeah. So no. he, he probably went closer to 170, 175 when all things are said and done last year. So I'm, 
I'm pumped on what could be coming from him. I know I'm not alone because you put this Gallon, Kelly, Erod, Fott combination together. That's a pretty darn good starting four. Like where we were at last year on the show, Bogby, let's just be real. Like things are looking a lot better uh, in Arizona these days. But we still got a fifth starter. And right now it's Ryan Nelson. It could be a lot of other pieces. What are you kind of like? What Are there any other starters worth rostering on the D-backs? Or is it more stick with the top four, maybe play some streaming games later on? Yeah, I think uh, I honestly think that spot will be Tommy Henry coming out of uh, spring training, um, you know, if he's healthy enough and all that stuff. So if he looks good. Um, but yeah, that spot is up for grabs because Ryan Nelson didn't end the season with it. Frias will have a shot. Uh, Bryce Jarvis, Slade Ciccone, Blake Walston, you know, uh, th- there will be guys fighting for that spot. And look, if it turns into a black hole of change and change and change and change. You're going to see some bullpen days, the D backs. And also you'll see them acquire a starter there. There will be some, you know, the, the A's have got starters, you know what I mean? Just that they'll, they'll sell for a song. So uh, th- they'll go out and get someone, especially if there's an injury or something. So yeah, Ryan Nelson is in contention for that spot. I would say maybe he's even the front runner for it, but also, he lost it last year, so don't be surprised if he loses it again. So you mentioned Tommy Henry. I'm just going to ask because I was looking over the ADP. I'm like the last 15 drafts on DCs right now. Tommy Henry hasn't even been drafted. So is this a guy that we maybe should have more on our radar than is on our radar? Or is it more just kind of a completely speculative, who knows what we're going to get situation? Yeah, I mean, he wasn't that great last year either, yeah. right? So I understand not really wanting to invest, but, you know, you're getting to round 40 over there. You know what I mean? The, you you can take worse players than Tommy Henry. Uh, ERA wasn't great. It was over four. His Sierra was even worse at 529, but he got banged up, and who knows when that was, right? How long was he pitching hurt? Uh, all that stuff. So uh, he had a couple good starts. I think, there's, I think he's better than he's being given credit for, but there's also – the potential for him to stay in triple a the entire season. So he's not a high investment at all. All right. Let's head to the bullpen here. Uh, Mid season acquisition. Paul Seawald was pretty darn outstanding for the diamondbacks. All things considered didn't end on the highest of notes. And maybe more people remember that than what really took place. But I'm, I'm just as an innocent outsider uh, just watching. I thought he was a, a major impact on getting to the, to where you guys got to. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. I don't care. His ADP 79 right now. Is this the guy you're looking to go back to this year? Yeah, he definitely was. I'll say that my look, I, I'm probably just never going to like the Diamondbacks bullpen, right? It's probably just too ingrained in me to hate it. I mean, beyond young Kim going all the way back, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it, Matt Manti, Jose Valverde blowing saves, you know, like I just, I have all of these horrific memories of these closers. So to, what I don't like about Seawald, and you're right, Seawald was great down the stretch for the D-backs. Now he started with a blown save, ended with a not even a blown save, but ended on a disaster to Marcus Simeon, right? Yep. And then Corey Seager. But, um, you know, he's going to be the guy. They treated too much for him not to be the guy. I don't really like his attitude about his pitches, though. He's like, well, you either see what I have or you don't. So I'm going to throw it over the middle of the plate and you're either going to hit it or not. That's kind of his, you know, his attitude about it, which is fine. But I mean, Marcus Simeon saw it and he crushed it. 
you know, Corey Seager saw it and he crushed it. So he's a little cavalier. Uh, he's not very, uh, you know, really a tactician. I think he said that he's learned to do that because when he tries to be perfect, he misses and, you know, that's where you get walks and all that stuff. So you'd rather make him hit it. I get it. Uh, but uh, I mean, I, I, I can tell you in my DCs in everything I'm drafting, that's beyond 30 rounds. I'm taking Kevin Ginkle. That's what I was going to ask you. You got Ginkle and you got Castro both had ch- good work last year. Let's put it that way. Castro's miserable. He should not be on the team. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Ginkle uh, is the guy. Should something happen with Seawald and injury or just, you know, he loses it. You know how closers are. They're wishy-washy. And Ginkle is the man in waiting. He could be a closer for a lot of teams right now. So, um, and that was, he was miserable in 22. So, to see him take such a big improvement in 23 and really be a big core piece. They needed an out. You bring in Ginkle and he got it, you know? So, uh, fireman last year, setup guy this year, uh, potential closer in the future as well. So Ginkle is my guy in waiting for sure. Well, I love that. And those draft and hold formats we're talking about, those are key pieces as your late round draft picks go on. And when you're looking at Ginkle right now, we're talking about a guy with an ADP of 454. That's a very good late late round spec option. All right, let's talk prospects here. We already mentioned Jordan Lawler and kind of the expectations there. We mentioned last year, you guys, you know, you guys got you know Jones's kid. You guys got a, a pretty darn loaded team, but they're all kind of young and how far away is the question? Who could we be keeping an eye on that might have an impact this year, either on the mound or hitting when it comes to prospects? Yeah, I think mainly it's just Jordan Lawler is the big guy uh, because the rest of the guy like Drew Jones is more than a year away. It seems like so is Tommy Troy, who they just drafted. Uh, Ivan Melendez maybe has a chance to come up this year. Uh, been playing some third in the minors for the D backs, big first baseman from Texas. No big deal. Uh, big, big, that's right. Big power hitter, uh, from Texas, uh, for the diamondbacks. He's, he got a invitation to, uh, spring training, but in terms of fantasy, nobody else. I I mean, uh, no, no one right now. I think there's more likely to be, they're more likely to be pieces in a deal to get someone that is fantasy relevant than be fantasy relevant. The rest of the D backs, uh, you know, minor league system here. So, um, I, I think Melendez is a way maybe Lawler is the guy, not much else. All right. So question for you then you mentioned pretty early in the show that maybe Jordan Lawler is a part of a trade for some starting pitching. You mentioned more potential trading for starting pitching. I know you think about a lot of these things. So I'll ask you, is there a starting pitcher that you kind of thought maybe they should go trade for? I thought it was Corbin Burns, man. <laughs> you know, uh, obviously well, for that, what the return was, you probably could still have Lawler on your team. My God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give him Vukovic in a bucket of baseballs. Yeah, and they'll be, was, they'll be okay. Wild. Yeah. I mean, he's a rental, right? But you're in the window. The Dodgers are making so many oh, moves. Yeah. I just don't, if the Diamondbacks start the year hot, I don't see how they sit on their hands and don't make a move, whether it's moving Lawler or not. I don't know. might be too important at that point to get rid of him for pitching. And right now they have four starters. They don't really need pitching, but if somebody gets hurt, there's not a lot of depth there. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. um, I I just think if you're a contender, that's what you do. You trade your, you, you trade your prospects for starters to, you know, get you there and move you through the playoffs and um or you call up someone like fought to help you get there uh last season so you know i i think the the trade for a starter is 
tangible. Um, but it may be, it may be someone gets hurt in the field and then you have to go make a move. So I think making a move now would be a little premature. So I think if there is a move made, it'll be in season. So I think what you see on this roster right now is what you're going to get going in. I don't outside of maybe a couple bullpen pieces being moved. Uh, there's trade, you know, trade Dominic Fletcher to the white Sox for a bullpen piece the other day. So, you know, li little, little moves like that. I don't think anything impactful before the season starts. I think what you see is what you're going to get going in. And Fletcher wasn't bad, but you guys didn't need him. So that's yeah. the difference in that one. Yep. So it's just a good way to improve the team. Uh, final question I have for you, which I ask everybody to end the show. What are your expectations this year? You just went to the, the World Series for crying out loud. Like there's only one place to go from there, but are we realistic? So what are your expectations this year? World Series champs. That, that's uh, if the you if, built for it, if they got there last year, like the if you there. aren't expecting that, what are you expecting? And, and last year, when they beat the Dodgers in the playoffs, I saw so many people in the Diamondbacks subreddit and message boards and blah, 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 all the crazy places I looked, uh, you know, mm -hmm. saying everything else is gravy. Everything else is gravy. It's not. You know, we were there. We had a chance. And now we got to beat all 30 again to get there, which is super frustrating. But that is that is the goal. When you're in the window, when you're a smaller market team, which is kind of crazy because Phoenix is market seven in the country. Yeah, we'll but, yeah. you know, it, it's a small market compared to L.A., Chicago, New York, Dallas, you know, all those other big, big markets. Um, you know, you have to win in your window and they're in it. So, you know, when, uh, contend for the division. I don't expect them to win the division because the Dodgers are stacked, right? If they do, they do. That'd be amazing. And I hope it happens. I don't expect it, but all you know, you now the dance, you don't have to, you don't have to do that. You don't have to win the division to get into the playoffs and win because they just did it. So that shouldn't be the thing is it just get in the playoffs any way you can and then go after the world series. That's what it is. Hopefully I'm back in Phoenix in October again, watching more world series games. Well, that'd, so. make, that'd make me happy. So that, mm. that, that'd be good because, no. uh, you know, besides getting to see you that time of year, it means like if the Giants, you know, poop the bed, which probably they will, um, but I will always root for any team to beat the Dodgers. And the most likely scenario in our division is you guys. Yeah. Uh, the Padres aren't bad, but they seem to find the banana peel every time. <laughs> so um, can't wait to record with Sammy Reed on that one. That's what's in. Yes, that is what's it. But uh, on that note, why don't you remind everybody where they can find you and what you got going on. Thank you, and thank you for having me again, Bubba. Good to finally do a podcast with you again. It feels like it's been way, way too long. Too long. We'll, we'll have to get to, into something more regular here yes. uh, pretty soon. But, uh, yeah, at Bogman Sports on the Twitter for me, in thisleague.com for my Patreon with the Welsh. We got your uh, all of our baseball ranks up there. Welsh has his uh, prospect rankings up there as well. You can get all those lists for our Fiverr, so go check that out. And then Fantasy Pros uh, for my football work and a little bit of baseball work over there as well. But everything is at Bogman Sports on Twitter. You can find it all there. Yeah, make sure you check out the Bogs because he's a great dude, smart as heck, and he didn't even mention his college football stuff. Like, he's uh he, he knows a little bit of everything, and he's a Pittsburgh Steelers fan as well. So keep that in mind for anybody that you know they, they just got a new offensive coordinator. Hurdy's elite at utilizing the uh, top end running backs. He's so, better as an OC than a head coach. So that's what I said. Let's, let's to, hope that happens. Had to we'll poke see. the bear at the end. Yep, so, uh, that'll do it, folks. As always, Bogman, thanks for joining me. This was Benched with Bubba, episode six. 49, your 2024 Arizona Diamondbacks team preview. Catch you all next time. Sweet.